we doing this morning? You guys ready? Somebody left this over here, and I, I think it's like a hint that I'm supposed to wear this because, you know, a few weekends ago I wore a team that lost. It did not work out very well. I don't think God was listening to me, and I don't think God really cared, but that's okay. It's football. Uh, but today we are going to keep going along in our psalm, Psalm 103. And uh, these are a couple of things that um, I found online. You know, pastors, sometimes people will put little messages in the, you know, when you pass the offering plate around, they'll put a little car, a little message. And so uh, one nine-year-old named Arnold wrote this. Pastor Rick, I know that you said that God loves everybody, but he has obviously never met my sister. That's a real note. <laughs> oh, no, no. Ralph, which I think is a great name that needs to have a comeback. So write a Morgan. If your next one is a boy, Ralph. Sure. Uh, I like it. Uh, Ralph, an 11-year wrote, Hi, Pastor. I really liked your sermon today especially when it was finished. <laughs> Those of you who know, that was the last words of Jesus on the cross. You know, it is finished, but <laughs> I love the way it sounds. Another story is told about a pastor that got up in the pulpit, and he apologized because he had a big old Band-Aid on his face. And so <clears throat> he, was, uh, he said, you know, I really apologize. I was thinking about my sermon, and I cut myself shaving. Sure enough, uh, that afternoon, they found a note in a collection plate that said, Pastor, next time, think about your face and cut the sermon. <laughs> Sometimes it's funny to joke about how long pastors preach. And I know, especially on a day like today when we have the Super Bowl, what I love about you guys, what I love about this church is I could preach all day and you would much rather be here then see the Rams win the Super Bowl, amen? You'd much rather be here. That's where you're supposed to go, amen, even if you don't believe it, all right? Thank you. <laughs> so kick back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I may be preaching, but all the cell phones will be on the game, right? <laughs> A little more serious note. A few weeks ago, I told you about the hospital visit that haunted me forever, right? Remember, uh, it was when I went and tried to pray for someone who had been in the Vietnam War. And it just went really, really bad. There was another hospital visit, even earlier than that, uh, far earlier than that, uh, that I went to, which was what I call the hospital visit that helped me the most. Uh, it was, <clears throat> it was about, a, I went and visited a man who ironically thought he was at the end of his life. We all thought he was at the end of his life. He ended up, he ended up, walking out of the hospital and living another five years. But we thought uh, it was it. Uh, he was 91. He's a World War II ven veteran, actually. And this was many years ago. And, and so, but I remember he said to me, he said, you know, I spent so much time at work because I was afraid I wasn't going to have enough money. And he looked at me, he said, Tom, it went by so fast. It went by so fast. And that, that was the phrase that really hit me. He said, look at me now. 
I worked, I worked, I worked. I ended up in the hospital, and it went by so fast. I left that, I didn't leave that church. I was transferred from that church to another church. And I never got, he, he, he walked out of the hospital, came back to church. He became one of the most active members in the church. But that thought of the brevity of life kind of hit me. You know, some things in life, they're good to wait for. They're good to let some time pass by. You know, it's good to wait for love and marriage. You can rush it, make a big mistake. So it's good to wait for love and marriage. It's good to wait sometimes to let God heal you. Sometimes we throw up a prayer, God heal me. Oh, God didn't heal me. And so we just give up on healing altogether. Now, sometimes, like I was telling you about Jacob, you know, we got to wrestle a little bit for that healing. Sometimes it's definitely uh, good to wait for the money to come in so that you don't buy on credit, right? I don't know how many times I heard from people, man, my credit card is so high, I wish I'd have had a little more self-control, right? There are some things that it is really, really good to wait for, but there, there are other things that we need to stop waiting for right now. We need to stop waiting for the one day we're going to serve God and start doing it now. We need to stop waiting for the one day we're going to work less and invest more in our important relationships. Because tomorrow may not come. We need to stop waiting for the one day to forgive somebody and let it go or else you could spend years in bitterness having it tear up your soul. Now, as a pastor, I'm not going to tell you I've seen so many miracles that I could fill a dictionary with it. But I will tell you this, and I am not lying. I have seen a few that would blow your mind away. This one may not seem so mind-blowing because you didn't see how the lady looked. But one time, we were doing a prayer and healing service. Not here. This was two churches ago now. And a lady came in. She wasn't all that old maybe in her 50s, maybe early 60s at the latest. Never got her age. You don't ask people their age, right? And so she came in, and she was obviously gray. She was obviously weak. I'm thinking death could come by the end of the service. This is, this is how frail she looked. And she had end-stage cancer. She came forward for prayer. And and I'm we just I'm just began praying for her. We pray for her, and, and all of a sudden the the other pastor's name was Doug. Heck, he stopped me, and he just kind of felt from God, and he said, "Ma'am, are you at odds with someone? Are you? I feel like there's a big fight that you have with someone. Is there somebody you need to forgive?" She goes, "Well, there is. I am in a fight with someone, but I don't need to forgive her." <laughs> Well, tell me about it. It was my sister. Oh, your sister. What happened? She insulted me. She insulted you. Oh. Well, how, what'd you do about it? Uh, I stopped speaking to her. Oh. Well, why, when was that? 34 years ago. I was 25 at the time. I remember thinking this occurred before I even existed. 34 years ago. And the pastor just looked at her and said, you know, I don't know if God's going to heal your body or not. 
but right now we need healing for your soul. And he led her through praying for forgiveness to let it go with her sister over an insult that occurred 34 years prior. You might be saying, Tom, what was the miracle? Within two weeks, her cancer was in full remission. Full remission. Was it, was it the bitterness and the healing? I, I don't know, but I can tell you this right now. She looked like she had two weeks to live. Not in two weeks she would be in full remission. So I tell you that story because it's, again, I'm not going to say I have, you know, hundreds of thousands of them, but I have enough where you just begin to see that sometimes it's our own bitterness, our own where we are waiting to forgive or waiting to never forgive or do something that God has called us to do. And all we're doing is losing time and wasting life. Over Christmas break, I was going to surprise y'all because y'all have never seen me like this. I was going to surprise y'all by growing a beard. Can you imagine me with a big, like, forest, you know? Big, nice, full-bodied beard, you know? You can't, can you? So I thought, how cool would that be? For 12 years I've lived here, you've never seen a bearded knacky. So I thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So, you know, I knew that Pastor Mark was preaching for me, so I kind of had, like, some drama I could add to it. You weren't going to see me for a couple of weeks, right, you know? So I could really get this thing nice and thick. So I started growing it out. And guess what happened? We couldn't see it. (laughs) Who said that? (laughs) Yes. My beard has gone gray. I know. I know. I know. Here's the thing. If my hair was also gray, <laughs> I would probably go for it. But there was something about the color of the beard and the color of the hair, I just looked foolish. You know, so I, I decided I would keep it shaven. My wife likes it better that way anyway. But some of you also know that in the last few weeks, I have also had to resort to this thing called reading glasses right i've always had 2020 vision i've always had a nice blonde beard and within one year those have been taken from me so here's the thing i got offended at god i said i am a child born of the blood i should not have these marks of death upon my body i'm having it out with him you know, and I'm just going, I, I reject this. I deny it. You are going to make my beard blonde, and you're going to heal my eyes. No, I'm just all going for it. You can ask the prayer team. I, or, I mean, the prayer group that meets on Tuesdays. I hate the fact that I have to wear those glasses to read my Bible now. And this is funny. This is what I felt like the Lord said to me, because I'm actually not kidding. I really did kind of have it out with God that I'm aging a little and that I have to go through this thing called aging. Get used to it, I know. And I felt like God said this, Tom, that's my gentle way of reminding you. You will not be here forever. Nobody dies of a gray beard, but it's a reminder. You're not going to be here forever. Nobody dies because they need glasses to read the Bible, but it's a reminder. These little things we're in, 
they wear out. They don't last forever. So this morning, we're going to be talking about how God sees and knows that we are dust and yet does incredible things through us anyway. Amen? Open your Bibles to Psalm 103. Heavenly Father, as we open up your word, I pray you would open up our hearts to receive, even if it's just that one thing, God. Help us to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a discussion sheet, you can go ahead and flip it over. And I just got three quick points that you can put in there. And then we will all go home. Number one, weakness is not a barrier to strength. It's the doorway. Weakness is not a barrier to strength. It's the doorway. Whenever I am reminded of my own weakness or my own mortality or of my own fact that life is short, I am reminded to try to do as little as possible in my own power and strength and as much as possible in God's power and strength because that is the most effective power and strength to live in. Amen? Verse 14 says, For he knows how we are framed, formed. Framed or formed, either one. He remembers that we are dust. You know, with time and dedication, you can get physically, emotionally, and mentally strong. But in comparison to God, even the strongest people on earth are still like little dandelions compared to the strength of God. You know, dandelions, we used to take those in Michigan and we'd flick their heads off. Kind of a morbid thing. God doesn't do that to us, but... That's, you know, if we're comparing strength here, that's the strength. Now, God knows this and works within our frailty. But I hate to say this, we are all just dust. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're so dusty. You're just dusty. Turn to your other neighbor and say, ooh, you are super dusty. And we know a lot about dust here in Kern County, don't we, right? You don't dust after a week. We are, we are that stuff that collects on your shelf, you know. There's only 22 verses here in this psalm. 20 of those verses describe God. Two of those verses describe us, and that's how it describes us. Dusty little flowers, easily blown away by the wind. It's not that we don't matter to God. We're made in his image. So we're very important and special dust. But what God is really saying is right now you are the weakest you will ever be. Isn't that good news? All you have to look forward to is strength upon strength upon strength. What Paul calls from glory to glory to glory. It's the weakest you'll ever be. So when we begin to understand that, our response to him should be to follow him. To become more than just dust. We've got to do more than just believe in God. It's time we start believing God. Because his saying is his doing. If he says it, he does it. His saying is his doing. I know a lot of people that believe in God. But very few that believe God. And I encourage you this morning, believe God. Believe what he said about you. Believe the plans he has for you. Believe the love he has for you. Believe the call he's placed on your life. Believe the forgiveness that you live with every day. Believe the provision that he's already getting ready for you three years from now. 
God's already working on getting you stuff. Believe him. And remember that weakness is not the barrier to strength. It's the doorway when you realize it. Number two, there is no tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Verse 15, as for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of the field. For the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows no more. Sometimes I think we think we have all the time in the world. I used to think that, especially with my kids. Now that I realize that in three months I'm going to have a senior in high school, I realize I don't have all the time in the world. That naturally my sons are going to grow, go, get married, and, and they may move thousands of miles away. I'm really mindful of that right now. But we can all fall to the disease of someday. I'll forgive that person someday. I'll start growing in Christ someday. I'll start following God someday. I'll start consistently going to church someday. I'll start saving for retirement someday. I'll be nicer to people someday. I'll start investing in my marriage someday. Pretty soon, we're all going to run out of some days. <laughs> in fact, the worst part is some days rarely ever become two days unless God shakes you up with something. You know what I mean? Some days are actually more of a weakness to overcome rather than a good justification for deciding Sometimes I hear, well, you know, I'll do what God's asking me to do when I'm done with sin, when I'm stable in life, and when I've made a lot of money. You know what the funny thing is? Never happens. Never does. And I get that way too sometimes. Like, you know what? There, when I win the lottery, there are things I'm going to do that God's called me to do. It's never going to happen, you know? I've had people tell me, you know, I know I'm called to be a pastor, and when I can, like, retire at 35, I'll retire at 35 and become a pastor. You know how rarely, if ever, that happens. Someday never happens. That's why some days are the favorite worship day of the enemy, because some days never happen. There is no tomorrow. The brevity of life and where we're at causes us to seize the day today god says today is the day of salvation today is the day of god's favor move in it one thing i remember about growing up in michigan is all the really big leafy trees right they're really cool this one anybody know what, the, what this one is it is a maple oh man they had some big gigantic maples uh, they had so much maples, big leaf maples, you could blow your nose with the things. I mean, they were awesome. And, you know, every spring on the top left, you'd see they would make these big, cool leaves. But the interesting thing is within six months, yesterday's green leaves would soon turn yellow, then red, then brown. Now, why do the leaves lose their green? Uh, there's a scientific explanation. It has to do with the fact that the leaves lose their chlorophyll, which keeps them alive over the course 
of spring, summer, and going into fall. And so what they now know about leaves is about three weeks after they bloom, the leaf reaches full maturity. So say it starts blooming in mid-March. By about early to mid-April, the leaf is in full bloom. And from mid-April to roughly early November, the leaf is slowly dying. It's no longer, its life cycle is no longer perpetual. And in a weird way, not a morbid way, you can almost see that there's beauty in their death, you know? And I remember when I was thinking of that, I said, God, I want to be like that leaf where I, I, I die more beautiful than I began. I don't mean physically beautiful. That my soul dies more beautiful than it began. And I had never heard that until recently I did a memorial service. It was a little while ago now. And, and someone said, he had a beautiful soul. Now, if you, told, if you were to say, oh, Tom's beautiful, I, wouldn't, I don't think I'd like that. I can go with handsome I can go with, like, you know, rugged. You need to be agreeing with me here right now, okay? Self-esteem issues. Come on now, you know. I can go a lot with those things. But beautiful is something I wouldn't want you to say of my externals. But, man, if somebody said, man, that Tom Nackey's got a beautiful soul and he lived a beautiful life, I, I can dig that, actually. That's cool. Just like that leaf. That red leaf is so beautiful. I used to collect them. Just try to make a little artwork out of them because I liked red leaves better than green leaves. I don't know. <coughs> if you're a spouse, be the husband or wife God's called you to be. If you're a father or mother, find out what God's called you to be as a father and mother. Be that person. You know the things that God is tugging at your heart. You know them better than I do. And you keep saying, ah, tomorrow, later. Yeah, you never know. Stop delaying. Stop adding to the list of regrets. True story. One time I prayed for a guy on Friday afternoon. I did his funeral on Saturday morning. And by Monday, everything he owned had been dispersed to other people. It was that quick. One of my favorite movies, one of, I think, the most Christological movies of all time, is none other than Rocky Three. all right? Rocky Three is the story of life, right? You get beat down, and you got to get back up and, you know, find it within you to overcome whatever it is that beat you down, right? In one line of the movie, you know, Apollo, who was Rocky's former opponent, now his coach, is trying to train Rocky because Rocky just got demolished by Mr. T. And I can't remember his name in the movie, but Mr. T. Apollo Creed. No, no, no. Apollo Creed was the manager, was the guy who trained. Anyway, so Mr. T just gave the womp on Rocky Balboa. And, and Rocky Balboa just... You know, Apollo's trying to train him, and he keeps going, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it tomorrow. Now, meanwhile, the fight's getting closer and closer. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it. And finally, Apollo Creed says, there is no tomorrow. 
I don't know why of all the lines in movies, that one hit my life the most. Because it, it kind of shakes you in realizing, you know what? I know what he means. Obviously, there is a tomorrow. But stop putting off to tomorrow what God is calling you to do today. Amen? Number three. Find the cross. Find home. Find the cross. Find home. David writes, but the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. What is the steadfast love of the Lord? It's the unfailing love of the Lord. It's the love that never fails you. It's the love you can count on even when everything seems silly and stupid and oh my gosh, I can't believe all this is happening. You just go back and say, but I have the steadfast love of the Lord. Somehow, some way, there is going to be a way out if I keep his covenant and follow his commands. Where does that God's unfailing love flow from? The cross. The cross where Jesus freed us. And separate and, and freed us from what separates us from God, our sin. What is his covenant? The covenant is very easy. It's faith in Jesus, which equals keeping his covenant and following his commandments. To keep the covenant of Jesus is simply to believe what Jesus said and did. Not just to believe in his existence, but to believe Jesus, that he is the way the truth and the life. But there is a second part of that, to follow his commandments. And you say, does that mean I gotta follow the 10 commandments? Well, of course. But I'm not talking about salvation here. To keep his commandments, it's a lot simpler than the 10 commandments. It's learning to hear his voice, follow his lead, and do what he puts on your heart to do. Then you're in covenant, and you're in commandments. Someone once said that life without Christ, life without Christ is a hopeless end. But that life with Christ is an endless hope. And that's very true. Billy Graham told the story of a patrolman who was on duty in a town in northern England. And as he was walking the streets, he heard the quivering sob of a child. So he shined his flashlight in the darkness and he saw a little boy. The little boy was crying and he said, I'm lost. Can you please take me home? So the policeman began naming the streets. Well, do you live on this street? No. What about this street? No. What about this street? No, that one doesn't sound familiar. Well, how about this street? No, not that one either. Oh, how about that hotel? You know that big hotel on the corner? No, the hotel doesn't ring a bell. That bank, the bank with all that flat. No, the bank, the bank isn't ring a bell either finally the policeman was exhausted sitting down he said man this boy truly is lost but then the policeman remembered hey wait a minute you know that big cross that big cross in the middle of town and all of a sudden the boy's eyes brightened up and he said yes take me to the cross and i can find my way home Take me to the cross, 
and I can find my way home. All that we believe, all that we have, and all that we hope for is found in the cross of Christ. I encourage you this morning. Go to the cross and find home. Find home. Go to the cross and you you will truly find home. What's at the cross? Well, as good Protestants, we don't believe Jesus is there anymore, right? That's why we make a cross without him there. But it symbolizes what we do have now. We have forgiveness. We have authority. We have hope. We have an event in human history that we know happened. We have truth. And we have life. Find the cross. Find home. Buy our heads with me. Let's pray. Worship team, come forward. This morning, before we close our service, I'd like to give a very heartfelt invitation. Harley, he already received that invitation. He doesn't need to receive it again. He came up during worship. And that's what we were doing out here. We were praying. He said, man, I want to enter this kingdom of God. Maybe there's someone else out there. He's like, you know what? It's time. It's time I quit putting off to tomorrow what I need to do today. It's time that I start living in the now. Today is the day of salvation. To stop thinking, oh, I'll just wait till I'm 60 or wait till I'm 80 or wait till I'm whatever. There may not be a tomorrow. So this morning, I want to give two invitations. First of all, if you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, I'm inviting you to do that this morning. He'll be the best decision you ever made. He'll be the best friend you ever had. Second thing is, for those of you who have been, you know what? I've been kind of a someday follower of God. Someday I'll do this. Someday I'll do that. Someday I'll start serving in the way God's having me serve or doing what I know God's put on my heart to do. I want to pray a prayer of rededication to just destroy those somedays and make it today. Amen? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, this would not be a work of Tom, but a work of the Holy Spirit. No manipulation, no emotional arousal. I mean, just God, just you, just you and the human heart speaking, saying, you know what? Make your stand. Make your stand. This is it. Now, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if you would like to rededicate your life and get rid of the some days and make it today, or enter the kingdom of God for the very first time and make Jesus your Lord and Savior, just go ahead and lift your hand up in the air right now just so we can know and pray for you.
Amen. 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 Let's all pray this together. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming into my heart. Thank you for saving my soul. We confess we need you. And we make you our Lord and our Savior. Fill us with the Holy Spirit and with endless hope. And help us to make someday today in Jesus' name. Amen.